back to another special episode of Affing Experiment Podcast. It's episode 88, and I'm your host, Bruce. Joined on the line by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine. Good. How was Christmas? Did, did, did Santa come and visit? Yep. Nice. I have to say, Santa was very generous to my kiddos this past Christmas. And uh, so we, we had a very good Christmas around here. A little, a little weird, I'm not going to lie. A little strange with uh, all the public health notifications going down. But it's been a good, uh, a good holiday for sure. And uh, we're now look, moving straight ahead towards New Year's, aren't we there, Lux? And, and big old 2022. Just Crazy. around the corner. Just, yeah, literally, literally, next weekend is, is literally New Year's. And there we go, a brand new year. Which means a brand new start and a whole lot of cool things to come with it. So anyway, we'll get back to more of that idea later in the show. But um, no, I'm glad to hear that everybody's uh, doing well and you had a good Christmas there, Lux. That was, sounds pretty good. Um, and uh, is is it does it feel like winter for you yet, or is it still kind of kind of cool, just kind of cool and kind of kind of blah? It's kind of half and half. You didn't happen to have a white Christmas, did you? Nope. Ah, too bad. And too it was bad. nearly 90 degrees right? What? Yeah. 90 degrees? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, you're all sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt having a, yeah. having a cocktail. Yeah, and that's Texas for you. Jeez, man. I can't even imagine Christmas like that. Like, that seems so bizarro. It's like you know what we you know what happened. Wait, you know what weather we got Christmas Eve? Mm. Freezing rain. Yikes! So the this, the the best stuff ever as it comes down and coats everything in a sheer in a sheer cover of ice. You just slip on and die on the next morning. It was super fun. Anyway, all right, let's get on with some housekeeping, right, Lux? Yeah. Um. Don't forget, folks, if you like what you hear here on the podcast, you can check us out at thelotuscouncil.com. That's our home on the internet, and uh, that's, you can find uh, every single episode up there. Uh, in addition, you can also find other cool things. Uh, they had a giveaway going out, I think, just before Christmas. Um, about for I forgot, even forgot what it was, but it was, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, pretty cool giveaway. Uh, so they do giveaways once in a while. They've got uh, all sorts of cool stuff going on on the channel. So come and check them out. But, of course, as we talk about each and every week, come and check out their Discord at thelotuscouncil.com. Uh, if, you go, if you do go to thelotuscouncil.com uh, and you click on the click on the address, there's a, a, a permanent link right to the Discord. And it's free to join. And you can go, be, come and be part of the community, uh, a growing community, a community of, that's very supportive and very... Uh, open to anybody who wants to, who wants to join. Uh, I think the only thing that they're asking is you, you just be you know be polite, be polite, be civil, and if you can do that, you can have uh, you can have great conversations with all sorts of people about all sorts of cool things. So come and check it out. Um, you never know what's going on. I think even tonight there's people looking for uh, a game, uh, a, a webcam game. Oh, so pretty cool stuff going on to say the least. All right, um, but yeah, so yeah, there we go. Come and check out thelotuscouncil.com. Come and see for yourself. 
All right, we move on to segment one, Lux. So tonight we got yeah. three segments there, audience. We've got uh, our garbage or grades. And tonight's garbage or grades is kind of a fun one because it's really just more previews from Kamigawa. And then we're going to get into some uh, some resolutions for the new year. And then finally, we've got a super budget deck. So we might be in and out of here pretty quick tonight there, folks. That's okay. You all got stuff to do over the holidays, so let's check it out. All right, so tonight, Lux, have you, did you catch this card as a preview for um, for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I was actually looking at it the other day. Yeah, so this is a cool new one there, folks. This is Satoru Umazawa. And uh, and I think it is the, the same Umazawa clan that we've seen uh, for a, a, a good long while, because I think there was Umazawa's Jite, um, or Jit, I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly, but I always pronounce it Jite. Um, and then on top of that, there was Tetsuko Umazawa in um, Dominaria, which was which is a very powerful uh, uncommon. And then we have Satoru Umazawa here, which I'm presuming is just another ancestor of in the Umazawa clan. So let's have a look at what Satoru Umazawa gives us. So for one, a blue and a black, you get a two-four legendary creature, Human Ninja. Oh yeah, Lux. That's exciting. People are going to be gassed for some for some ninjas, right? Yep. Oh, Oof. big time. All right. Yeah. I mean, if you're if if you remember the original Kamigawa block, or if even if you haven't, but you've seen the cards, ninjas figured were a very popular tribe um, from from the block, and so to have a return to to ninjas seems pretty good. So here we go. Whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then each card in your hand has ninjutsu for two, a blue, and a black. So you can, like, this seems pretty cool. I mean, so I think this sort of is confirmed that the ninjutsu ability is going to be returning as part of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Is that what you take from this as sort of a um, a, a takeaway from this, and, and pretty much, and they they're gonna have to after this. Mm-hmm. So with this particular card, and then you get to you can activate a ninjutsu ability. So ninjutsu was was one of the abilities that when you dealt combat damage to your opponent, instead of having your card do combat damage, you could elect to ninjutsu the card from play back to your hand replace it with something else presumably a card that had the ninjutsu ability and something else happened either deal more damage or you draw cards or whatever else well now the toro is letting you ninjutsu anything any card creature card in your hand and like you even go get to go look for it you can go look at the top three cards of your library and then ninjutsu something into the battlefield and um, does this not feel like it's going to be abused pretty badly, Lux? And if people build it right, it will definitely be abused big time. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. When they say each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu, it, this would be powerful in, like, a draft format where you're going to, like, like, you could attack with a 2-2, it goes unblocked, and then you 
like ninjutsu in a like a four four, right? Something like that. That's that's like, but that's probably how they design this to be or intended this to be used. And limited, but in our format, um, there's going to be a very like some crazy things that get like just just flashed in, like at ninjutsu speed. Like I'm looking around, like. I've gone now. I'm looking at the top 100 creatures in our format on EDH Rec. I'm scrolling down here, like, hmm, let's see. You know, maybe like you see like a lot of blue and black cards. Sorry, red, sorry, red and green cards. So, an Eternal Witness, Flash and Eternal Witness with Ninjutsu. That seems cool. Oxide Extortionist seems cool. Um, what about a you know, flashing in a Morphon? Even possible, I guess. Um, how about a oh, an Avengers Endicar? Like anything, any card you can flash it in. Like Gigantha, Atali. Like now we're getting into bigger things. Tiamat. There we are. Now we're talking there. Like Tiamat, and you're just doing all sorts of crazy shenanigans. Like this seems really, really, really strong. Maybe yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand all the ins and outs of how this is going to play out in the in the, in the real world, but good grief, this is this card is scary. Yeah, and like and from what we're seeing right now is that it looks like this card is going to be the cause of plenty of problems in the future. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is going to be a very popular commander. And here's the thing, like they've given it to given it to us now here, like before the end of, De- of December. This set doesn't release till February the 22nd. People are going to have lots of time to brew up nasty-looking Satoru Umazawa decks of, of all flavors. They're going to have him as the lead singer. They're going to have him hiding in the 99 and tutor him up for the purposes of doing that and recur him. And so, anyway, like I'm scared of this card. This card is going to be terrifying. And my biggest fear is that it's going to be, like, you're going to use his ability... To ninjutsu in things like Praetors and very large Eldrazi. Right? Like, like, does this not send, sound like, you know, you can spend four mana and drop an Ulamog on the table and, like, now you've got your Ulamog into play for cheap? And shh, don't tell Fef. Seriously, she does not need to know about that. <laughs> I think she already knows, buddy. Thinks he's already knows. That's how she so does for, it. Yeah, for if you, if you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to see what she's going to do with this. So for those of you who don't know, Fef, who is who's been on the show once before, uh, and a, is a, a key contributor to the Lotus Council. Um, Fef is a big fan of playing Eldrazi uh, whenever she can. So Satoro allowing her to cheat some Eldrazi into play is bad news for everybody else. Correct? Yep. Yup. <coughs> so bottom line is this card looks super sweet. Um, I'd be really interested in seeing how good this is. Uh, I also want to make just a quick comment here, Lux. The art looks really interesting on the card. Uh, not at all what I sort of come to expect from a ninja card, but uh, very cool to say the least. All right. So, 
you have to give this a rating, Lux. If this is garbage or this is great, what do you think? I'm going to have to say it's great. Like, there is no possible way we can say this is garbage. No, I think if we said we were garbage, garbage, we'd be lying to our audience and and they would just turn off the show right there and move on with life. So, no, I think you're right. I think this is actually a very, very good card. Uh, It'll be great. And I think people are going to be looking to abuse it quite badly. And, uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. That's all I'm going to say. It's just going to be a big old walloping. Anyway. Yeah, Satoru Umazawa coming to a LGS near you in about two months' time. So, brew those decks up. We want to see them and all the nasty things you're going to sneak into play. All right. Segment two, Lux. Are you ready? Yep. All right. So, tonight, their audience... I thought it might be good if we went into some of the re- some resolutions that we might want to have carrying forward into the new year. Um, this is the sort of time of year where lots of people make resolutions and, uh, you know, how to change, pres- presumably for the better. And so, uh, we're, you know, we're no different here on the podcast. We'd like to try and be better, uh, better players, better brewers, better EDH players to play with and enjoy the game. So we have some some resolutions. However, what's the number one th- problem with resolutions, Lux? And most of the time, they're too ambitious, and they're things that you can't really achieve. Yes, that's there's the thing. So we can't really achieve them. So often resolutions fall apart, and and they never really get followed through. So what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and have what we call smart goals. Or things that are um, they they're they're sort of like setting um, reasonable and specific goals. So the S stands for being specific. The M stands for measurable. Uh, the A stands for achievable. The R would stand for um, oh I forgot realistic. And then the T stands for time sensitive. So if we can try and be smart about our goals then we can try then we might be better served in having them be achieved so we're gonna try our best to have um a a, our goals be more smart oriented than not try and help them be more applicable and maybe they're gonna maybe that's gonna inspire some of you out there to set some of your own resolutions uh for yourselves we've also tried to keep this to more specifically to magic i know we all of us have things we want to improve about ourselves um, and we make resolutions year after year after year, and we never really follow through. We're going to try to make them specifically about magic, uh, presumably because it's a hobby that you, if you're checking in with us, because you love the show, and you love the ma- and you love to play the game, and you want to get better at it. So we're going to try and, uh, and, and, and try and really narrow in on things that are magic-related. All right, Lux, should I get started, or do you want to have a go at uh, the first one? Mm-hmm. How about you get started with this and kick it off? Sure. So the first first one I, I, I wrote in here is, is, and is very much me, um, is I need to be more open-minded, uh, particularly when it comes to picking new color pairs and archetypes to build. Um, we've made no bones about it here on the show. Lux and I are both big fans of green. Like, we joke that it's like the, the, the green fanboy show. Um, however... If we're being truly honest to um, to players out there, 
There's lots of great cards in all five colors and in, in artifacts and color and other colorless creatures and car and such. So, does have us simply put on our blinders and play green deck after green deck after green deck after green deck is us being disingenuous to you guys and not necessarily giving you the best um, the best sorts of percent view of how the game should and is being played because. Um, you know, I know there's lots of players who have their own preferences. Um, you know, some people love to play Is It decks, some people love to play Grixis, some people love to play Jund. Um, but as a result, they don't really deviate too far from those color combinations. And I think it, I think it really hampers their play. And so I think for us as a podcast, if we're really looking to make sure that our audience is getting the best they can from us and the best we have to offer, then we need to be prepared to branch out into new and different color pairs uh, and, and, and such. So, for, for me, for instance, um, I, need to, I think I need to try and build um, more monocolored decks. Up to this point, in the 28 or 30 decks I have brewed, I have one monocolored deck. It is uh, a King Makar deck. It is mono black. Um, I don't particularly think it's very good, um, even though... I have watched it do powerful things on the table. I don't think it's a particularly good deck. Um, but I think I want to build some more monocolored decks. Because there's every year there be tons of monocolored commanders. So my goal for me is to build a monocolored commander each this year for each of the five colors. So black, green, white, blue, red. And I'm gonna have a hard time with some of those color combinations. Or some of those colors. I'm going to have a hard time with white. I'm going to have a hard time with blue. I'm going to have a hard time with, with, uh, with red. I think black and green are going to be the two ones where I have the easiest time with it. Um, but I think uh, that for me is my goal to be trying to be more open-ended, uh, open-minded about decks that I want to build and to branch into other things and not just play the same, you know, Abzan or Sultai or Naya colored decks. Um, that I have am prone to go back to over and over and over again. Lux, is there, are there any 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 uh, any any sort of new color combinations that you want to try? Well, and I know how like I'm always hyping up Obzon because you know they between you and me like it is generally the best color, and then you can't go wrong with Obzon. But I, I know people. I know you and I have a big a, a, our our Abzans and our Sultais are our bread and butter here on the show. Like there's no doubt about it. But if you couldn't play Abzan or Sultai, where would you go? What would you do? Where would you branch out? And speaking of Sultai, if I really had to, like I would basically remove the green and go full Demir, because I will admit they. Oh! There are some Demir fan in the decks out there that I do enjoy. And if you remember correctly, I had a Demir deck in the back in the Ravnica standard. I do remember you you, you were for a, a very long time very excited for um for for Demir, and I think that's a, a good place for you to go back to as a starting place. And then build on from that. So instead of maybe blue black, maybe you play you build a blue uh sorry a red blue or a black red deck and and do and do some different things about that because um you know that be you know taking your build, deck building in a different direction as well 
Excellent. No, I like that. I like the idea of going back to Demir. And we've had a lot of great new Demir, um, Demir cards in the last while. Like, let's have a quick look at Demir here. So let's have a look. Well, there's oh, like look at this. So the we have they have the, the new Anawan commander from uh, last year from Zeneca Rising, uh, Will Health, which is another um, powerful Will. Um, that's out right now as part of the, I believe it was Midnight Hunt Commander release. Uh, Arami, which is from Commander Legends, is very powerful. Toxril, Runo Stromkirk. If you want to build Runo Stromkirk there, Lux, I have a foil Runo Stromkirk sitting in a box here that I would be prepared to send you if you wanted to build that one for the show. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'll, we, yeah, we can talk about it more afterwards. But anyway, there's lots of really cool um, Demir commanders that have been printed. You can do lots of cool stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like that course, idea. They, they, what makes me happy is how they, they saw just how functional the surveillance mechanic was, and they decided to branch oh. out around cut and start using it in other in the cards. Surveil was a great mechanic, and I would love to see them bring it back. Um, I know they got to be a little bit judicious, right? Like they can't just slap it in on, on the older because it is very powerful. But it is an excellent mechanic. I think it's very balanced. Um, you know, given the right circumstances, as long as it's used judiciously and put in the right places. But I think it's like it's a very good mechanic. I would love yeah. to see it come back more, more, a little bit more often. And see, they unlike the previous Demir mechanics like Transmute and Cipher, Surveil actually had support to go with it. It's true, and they had they had very good support in this set, and consequently, I think that's translated into it being able to be applied more generally to Commander, or other places, not just Commander, but applied more generally, because there was, like you said, there was enough cards that had Surveil tacked on that you could do something sort of interesting with it. Because, you're right, like, Cypher was trash, like, that was hot garbage, all right, and I'm not like I don't want to, to to stomp all over Wizards of the Coast here, but that was one of those mechanics that is Jake, was just really poorly implemented, really hard to trigger with any degree of reliability. I was not a fan, like just just not a fan. Um, and transmute, transmute is really powerful, but people don't play it for the transmute ability per se. They play it as a tutor, don't they? And that feels like what it's not, it wasn't intended to do that. Anyway, what do we know? Anyway, excellent. You want to build some a Demir deck? I think I'm going to build monocolor decks, and we'll, we'll go from there. All right, number two. All right, what's the second resolution here? And the second one is having a better pregame conversation about what the expectations for the game are. Yeah, this is rule zero conversations, folks, and... I think we need to we need to make a better a better effort to be honest with our play with our with our people we play with. Whether you're playing on a webcam, or you're playing in person, you need to be upfront about what your expectations for the game are, and how your deck looks to win. And I think generally, Lux, I don't know about you, because you 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 work in a card shop, you see people come in and play presumably some number of commander games every week, and you must hear this conversation happen regularly. 
Would you say most playgroups or most pods have a good conversation? Or do you think it's like, or does everyone just be so quick about just shuffling up and playing? It doesn't really get discussed. And, well, like for the most part, they, they do have a healthy conversation, but there have been a couple of times where they, either people were uh, genuinely honest about you know, their deck or they just chose not to talk about it at all. Yeah, which is it's which is consistently a problem, right? Yep. And like we I think we've addressed this here on the show before. But I think we here on this podcast as uh and I and I think I can speak for you too, Lux, in this one. Our prime focus is that people can enjoy the game. Winning is is, is a secondary expectation of our uh, of of the way we we brew decks and the type of and, and the type of discourse we have here on the show. We're very much about enjoying the experience, be able to sit down with some friends, have a good time, and be able to play and enjoy your game. And in order to enjoy the game, you have to be very clear about what sort of experience you're looking for. Because if you don't tell people and communicate that, then they're not going to know and they're not going to respect that. And consequently, they're going to sit down with something juiced right to the, right to the gills and that's going to be like your, you know, dwarven tribal deck is going to get absolutely stomped and you're going to feel lousy about it. So you're going to do much better if you are very honest with your people, with the people you're playing with, but what sort of deck you have, what are your expectations for the game? How do you win? Um, are there cards that people should be looking out for? And I know people want to play these tricks like close to the chest and don't want to divulge too much, but I think the quality of your game is benefited by you being honest with the people you're playing with about what you have in your deck and what you're looking to do. Right? Would you agree, Lux? Or, is there, or, or do you have any other thoughts along with that? Um, um, I definitely agree. Because, like, I mean, I've, I've heard, like, I've seen decks where like people sit down with a powerful commander and they they spend their time trying to convey to us that this powerful commander isn't built that way whatever that is all right um you know like how many times have you have you seen Atraxa get played lux and everyone goes ah oh, Atraxa and they they immediately assume that you're doing like the infect proliferate like kill us all fast approach that attraction can lead itself to, to, to doing. Um, and consequently everyone dogpiles the attraction player, beats them into the dirt. Where if we have a healthy conversation, the attraction player sits down and says, look, I'm actually not playing attraction in fact, proliferate the proliferate the death of you all. What I want to do with this deck is I'm doing, I don't know, maybe we want to make, like, I don't know, Icacian money, money Lender tokens or whatever. I, I don't know. Some, some weird token deck that goes along with this. And, like, you need to be upfront with, like, what your expectations are. Maybe, you're, maybe your Atraxa deck doesn't look to win at all. You don't have a lot of win cons. Or maybe your win con is revel in riches and not like proliferate the bejeebus out of everybody to the point where everyone like you know is infected out of the game 
right? Like, but if you don't have that conversation, everyone assumes you're playing Atraxa to the nines out to kill, and they're going to kill, and they're going to stomp you. Like, it's just, there's no way for you to survive three opponents beating the snot out of you. So, give up this idea that you want to have a conversation, that you, that you want to keep your secrets and your secret tech for yourself. Like, be upfront and say, no, no, I gotta have to be very honest and say, this is what my deck does. And, you know, and have that conversation be part of, part of normalizing the game. But I don't think a lot of people do it. And then a lot of, and I also think one of the other problems, Lux, and maybe you can speak to this too because you've seen it in stores, some people hear it and then they don't respect what's being said and then just run something that's going to bulldoze the table anyway. Have you seen that frequently, or is that something that's generally not a thing? And I've seen it a couple of times, but let's just say that those people never end up coming back. Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the sort of the self-correcting nature of the format. If people are going to, and the term is pub stomp, if you're going to go pub stomping people at a game where people are like, yeah, no, I play, um, I'm playing Goat Tribal. Or I'm playing, like, I don't know, I'm playing Make All the Treasures and Win with, win with, win with Revel and Riches versus the, the guy who's like, I'm playing, I'm going to stomp your face into the mud and I'm going to win on turn four. Well, like, like that, that guy is not welcome for long. Like, that doesn't work. People don't want to hear that, see that guy. Yeah, because then... How would like, are you sure they like, you'd probably in a and feel like it was pretty lousy if and like I came to the table with a deck and I told you it plays this like this way, but it ends up just being full of and like board wipes and mass land destruction. Dude, I'd be super unimpressed. Super unimpressed. If you told me like, oh yeah, I win by playing tokens and then you hardly play tokens because you keep wiping the board clear and we just sort of all stand here look at each other and spin our wheels. So yeah. No, I would be very, I'd be very nonplussed. You're absolutely right. Very nonplussed. And that's not going to result, that's going to result in people being upset about how their game experience went. So let's have better pregames, rule zero conversation, and be honest. Like, just be honest with the people you're playing with. You all want the same thing. We all want to have fun at our game. And it, that can be, it can be achieved. Even if only one person wins, it can be achieved if we're all honest about it. If we're, someone's going to withhold... Yeah, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. I'm just saying, because you know, like, with one of my favorite cards, like Jocklops, and like, I'm not going to be the guy to withhold the fact that it's in my deck. Like, I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. Because like, that's kind of yeah. like, like... That's not a card you want to be surprised by. No, it's, it's a miserable card. It's like if you get caught with that one, and you go, "Whoa, jeez!" Yeah, because now I we're like, all back. Like I made a guy completely scoop because you nothing. Know, he was waiting for his, the next game, but because nothing, yeah. you know, I had essentially you know they completely reset the game, so he just decided to scoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's it's not fun, right? It's not a good time. Yeah. People don't enjoy it. So let's be honest, folks. Let's have better conversations. And it's going to result in better gameplay. Mm. All right, we're going to have more fun and better better stories to tell. 
that cool thing you did that one time and less of the I got pub stomped by that guy again at the at the, at the LGS or um, I got thoroughly freight trained right out of the game. All right, up next, another resolution, play more lands. Play more lands. Um, we as a ha- have a habit of not running enough lands in our decks. Lux, would you agree? Yeah. So, folks, my my I think my starting point for what we're talking about here is I think any deck I brew this next year has got to run at least 36, at least 36 lands. Anything less, I think I am seriously doing myself a disservice. But I think i got to run 36 lands at a minimum. Um, just so that you can be sure that you make your land drops and play your spells. Lux, would you, would you drop that number at all, or do you think 36 is about right? Yeah, I think 36 is about right, because I mean, ever since we started the show, they, in my decks, I've been running more lands too, because I mean, previously, they, the most I'd ever run in a deck would be 30. Yeah, so, I, and here's the logic why we should be running more, 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 more lands there, folks. Um, the unfortunate reality is that if you want to cast your spells, you need to have the land. And people say, oh, I play mana rocks, or I play mana dorks, or I do this, or I do that, or I do that. Okay, those are all great. But all those other things get destroyed regularly. Land is one of the few things that you can rely on. It doesn't get destroyed. Basics doesn't even get hated out with things like Blood Moon or, you know, whatever else. So... Like you can be assured to put your game plan into play, play your play your spells, do the thing you want to do if you play enough lands. Yeah, every once in a while you're gonna lose games because you top deck a land and you go, oh, I lost. But more often than not, you're gonna be able to say, I'm still in this game because I can cast the spells that are in my hand. If you're like me, Lux, and you remember the days when you ran 30 land in your deck, and what happened? Oh, you got mana screwed, and now what? The game's over on turn three because you missed you missed your fourth land drop for one turn, two turns, three turns, four turns. You go, well, game's over now, right? And I know how that, and I know how that feels because I'm like. I'd basically be missing land drops, and like here I am drawing like all my heavy hitters, but I have no, I don't have enough land to cast them, and here I am having to discard them, putting them in my graveyard now. Yeah, and it's a it's a brutal feeling. So the surefire way to beat it is do the responsible thing, play more land, and so I'm I'm building decks with 36 lands in them. I generally try to here on the show. And this week's example has a 36 uh, land deck in it. Uh, we'll, de- we'll get to later in the show. But um, yeah, I'm going to be building decks with at least 36 lands. Just point blank. Boom. And people are going to say, well, that, you're blindly adhering to, uh, to a... Like, you're right, I am. But I'm doing it intentionally knowing that if I need to change how many are in my deck because my curve is higher or lower, I can do that. But if I, I, I need to start with at least 36 in mind 
and then I can add or shave depending on what my needs are. So, so play more lands. Deal? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right, Lux, what's up next? What's our next resolution? And up next is Brew More Jank. To find a commander in every set outside of the top five and brew a deck. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what you think about this was sort of goal, though, Lux, but, like, with EDH Rec, it's super easy to go and look at the top commanders out of every set. So right now, I'm going to pull up Crimson Vow right now. No, not the Crimson Vow commander. Crimson Vow. All right, and of the 16 commanders, you can see how many decks of each variety are being built. Um, and you can build a deck that is, you know, perhaps outside of these top, you know, these top five or six decks. So right now in Crimson Vow, you have Toxrill, the, corro the Corrosive Slug Horror. You have Runo Stromkirk, which is like Sea Monster Tribal. You have Grolnok the Omnivore. Olivia Crimson Vide is number Crimson Bride is number four. Torin's Fist of the Angels, which incidentally is a house. That card is fantastic. Uh, we have Aerith, uh, Tormented Prophet is number six. Halana and Alina Partners, Aerith seven. Jacob Hawken Inspector is the is the lone monocolored commander here at oh sorry, second monocolored commander. Odric is 9, and then Edgar is 10. So, but there's all these other cool commanders, at, like Angie, Geralt, uh, Old Rutstein, Catilda, Dorothea, and Henrika Damnathi, that are all pretty cool commanders. So I think, for me, I think the goal is going to be to make sure I brew a deck of a card outside the top five. All right? Like, so, Torrens, Olivia... Toxtral, Runo, uh, Runo, and Grolnok are the top five from Crimson Vow. So I want to brew something outside of that. And I think I have my my next deck I'm going to brew up too is uh, is from is, is from outside the top five here. Um, Lux, is, what are, what are your thoughts here with uh, with sort of brewing something outside of the most popular? Hey. Honestly, and then looking around, I think one uh, the non-meta commander that I might build would probably be the, the Trustani Discordant. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go have a look at Trustani Discordant. She was in Ravnica. Turn to Ravnica, which is right. Trustani Discordant was from Guilds. Oh, Guilds of Ravnica, right. Wrong yeah. block. Wrong visit to to, Ra to Ravnica. One of the problems you've had so many visits, you lose track of where things are yeah. from. Trustani yeah. Discordant. Yeah, so she would be number six um, from uh, of all the other commanders from uh, Guilds, of, Guilds of Ravnica. Huh. And yeah, I think she could be fun. I also like the fact that she prevents you from having your stuff stolen, which is Pretty powerful. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was fun. I'm looking forward to like. I I want to see what your deck looks like because uh, I I'll sh actually I'm gonna be honest with you. My deck this week is actually my my this 
the sixth most popular commander from um, Crimson Vow, Aerith. So uh, I'll share my my Aerith list that I'm working on right now. I'm starting to assemble the cards for it going forward too. So we want to brew more jank, folks. We want to brew more jank. Here on the show, we have lots of excuses to do it because we do it each and every week. But um, sometimes we even us were guilty of of leaning into the most popular ones when perhaps we should be exploring some of the more um, unique or um, varied commanders that are out there. All right. Um, next, I want to play more in paper. Um, so whether it's uh, via webcam or in person, regardless of which way I want to, I want to be sure I do it safely. Um, so right now, my sort of my typical allotment is I play once or twice a month. Um, and I'd like to see if I can get that to being uh, being a guaranteed every at least one game every two weeks. Um, that way, because I because I know most people are like me, we're busy. You've got a career, you've got family, you've got other interests, you've got friends, you've got other things that you want to do. So it's hard to find and carve out time to play uh, each and every week. Some people can. Good for you, people. Some people can't. They have to make it an every other week sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I want to make a point of trying to play every other week, at least getting a game in. Um, but for me right now, in, in the current climate of the world, I want to be sure I get my games in safely. So whether that's in person with close friends that I know uh, that I we all have similar vaccination statuses, um, we're trying to avoid risky behaviors um, where COVID is going to be circulating, um, and if people are you know, not uh, feeling up to par doing it uh, in person, that we switch to doing things uh, through webcam, which is where the game matching feature of um, the Discord is fantastic for finding people to play with. But anyway, how about you, Lux? How about you playing, getting a chance to play a little more in paper? I definitely enjoy more chances for that because then they, the online uh, magic, like arena, they it was fun at first, but they, it really leaves a sour <coughs> feeling, like a sour taste in your mouth when they all the decks that you've come to really enjoy rotate out and you basically can't use them anymore. Well, yeah, that is one of the problems on arena, um, and there there are a number of problems with arena for sure, and why playing in person has more appeal than ever before um i will say this for arena um there's still lots of offerings on there where even if you your decks are not currently great you can collect enough wild cards or 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 cards of a certain color or whatever where you can build something interesting um i don't pretend to play a lot of of arena i play a, a, a little bit here and there i enjoy it so I can play Brawl, um, because you can play a lot more Brawl via, via Arena than you can in, with, in paper. But uh, I have found Brawl to be particularly um, fun on Arena. Um, and you don't and need then, a lot of wild cards yeah. the same way, because you don't need to have a, a full playset. You can have one All Runs Epiphany. You can have one whatever. So anyway, I found that is my way of mitigating the online piece. Um, and as you as you play, you'll collect more of the the card the top cards for standard to play a deck that may never be a tier one deck, but it gets you it gets you enough wins to move you up the ladder a little bit. 
And then, of course, they, one of the best in a, in parts of playing in a paper is that, for the most part, you get to see your opponent's reactions. They, you get to make them watch as you tear through their defenses. You love this. Like, I, the, the audience, like, I've been recording with Lux here for almost two years now. And there's no doubt Lux takes great joy in dismantling other people's board states and making them regret they sat down to play. Lux enjoys this, whether it's jockle hops or other terrible effects that just ruin people's days. Lux is what we call a professional griefer. And Lux hey, enjoys you. this immensely. Hey, well, I get a chuckle. Fun, like, like, it's fun being the villain. Yeah, Lux is the bad guy. So when I end up playing with Lux, and any of you are catching the game, whether you're watching on on somewhere on the on the internet or you're standing beside us at a table, remember I'm the white hat. Cheer me on, and you can feel free to boo Lux all you want. Just boo him to pieces. Oh my God, Lux, you make me laugh. All right, um, but yeah, no, I think we all would agree playing in playing in paper would be much nicer. But I think we all agree, Lux. You're like me too. You 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 want to keep safe, right? Yeah, because COVID sucks, and you know you caught you caught the Rona back a few months ago, didn't you? Yeah. Boo. Hopefully, it means you're not going to catch it again anytime soon. But who knows? All right. Uh, next, you want to read this next one? Yeah. Next. Or, up uh, is actually, the... how about how is this? How about I do this one and you do the next one because you you really pitched uh, the second last one here we have. So I'll do this one here because this was my idea. Right. You pitch the the next one. Got it? All right. All right. So, um, one thing that I think would be but would benefit all of us as players, um, is if we all took a little bit better care of ourselves and took better care uh, to be in better physical condition. I don't mean hitting the gym and like and like ripping weights and 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 getting all shredded. All right, that's not what I'm talking about, folks. Um, I'm talking about um, you know, getting up off our couch and going for a walk. Going for a bike ride, maybe eating a little bit better, maybe a few less, few less treats. Uh, it's tough this time of year uh, with with all the holiday treats and and cookies and and pie and all the other things that come along with the holidays. But um, I think if we had a focus on being in better shape and making a point of being more active um, in our lives, that it, there are there are realistic benefits to be translated to uh, our our games when we play. Because we're going to be a little bit more mentally alert, a little bit sharper, and better able to to concentrate on what we're doing in game. Um, I think there's evidence that, that suggests that um, being in better shape results in better magic performance. We know it results in better uh, intellectual performance at things like music, school, uh, job performance, and so there's there's benefits to be had uh, from a technical play standpoint. But then there's just the quality of life piece where if we're in better shape, we can enjoy being with our friends and family a little bit better. So uh, it doesn't mean take a lot, I don't think. It means, you know, three or four times a week you get up, you go for a walk, you're a bike ride or whatever it is you like to do. Uh, maybe you go to the golf course, you know, an extra, play an extra round of golf or I don't know, whatever it is you like to do. Swim. I don't, I don't even care what you do. Just be more active and take better care of yourself to be able to be a little bit better when you play uh you play your next game of commander 
Now, this sounds really easy to do, doesn't it, Lux? But it's really tricky to do in practice. Because it means you have to budget your life differently again to put being active back on the agenda, so to speak, of being of what you normally would do. So um, I think there's a lot of benefits to be had. Um, I'm a teacher, right? So I see my students uh, when we have phys ed early in the morning, my students come back into the classroom and they're a little bit more focused than they would be or normally. I'm just simply applying this to what I would do my hobby after, uh, you know, in the evening. Better off if I took better care of myself and, and was out, you know, going for a walk a little more frequently and being a little more active, taking care of myself as a human being so that I can enjoy my, my hobby a little bit better. Anything you want to add, Lux, about uh, taking better shape, better better care of ourselves? Uh, no, not really. Okay, fair enough. What have you got up next, my friend? And next up is focusing more on singles rather than packs. Because packs are like buying lottery tickets that are fun, but often have poor and a EV. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I do love a good pack pack opening don't you yep oh man it's so much fun you get that pack like so many it could be literally anything and you want to open it up and then you find it's like the bulk rares you didn't need like uh more merchants dock hands don't need this card this card is trash fortunately that's the often the case with packs right lux yep so what 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 do you, what do you think you're going to do going forward here? I think what I'll do is either they budget the money or they can they stack up some in-store credit for like the cards that I want because you know they it's going to be more worth your time just buy the cards that you want instead of wasting all that money buying packs just trying to find those cards. You are absolutely spot on, I think my friend. Um, this this has sort of been a basic premise of anybody who's played Magic for a long time. It's always cheaper to buy the singles you want than to go hunting for those fancy cards in a, in booster packs. Um, so yeah, you just we're just gonna be trying to put it more into practice. And I think I'm like you, Lex. I need to make a more concerted effort to um, to to make sure I buy the singles and focus my energy and my and my hard-earned money on the singles I want and less on opening packs. Um, because I am also guilty of this too. However, yeah, I will like, say... Oh, like, go ahead. I'm just saying that I'm speaking from experience where they, you know, like back in <laughs> the Night Hunt, you know, they, there was a $25, $30 card that I was after. They, basically, they, I spent, you know, something over $100 on sealed product. Not once did I even uh, come close to pulling it. But then I find oh, it in the store. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, they, I'm yeah see, they, that's the danger about buying packs is that you know they, that thirty dollar card you wanted, they, it's gonna be more worth it. They seriously, they, you wasted the hundreds or thousands of dollars trying to find it when you could have just spent thirty dollars to get the card. Yeah. No, it's. Oh yeah, it's super disappointing, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. no, it's, you're absolutely right there, Lux. And uh, I think that's um, getting. I think it's 
I think my point here is like this is on top of like the you spent the money on it too, but I also think there's a there's a discussion to be had here around how people why people open packs, right? Yeah. So there's some people in this world who like to open packs because they're drafters. They love to draft packs and they find any pack is an excuse to draft a pack. Um, and then there's other people who don't seem to value draft nearly the same way and are just popping packs for, you know, because they want to. Um, I, and I think the, the person who wants to draft is somebody who's finding that their, their preferred method of playing is no longer being supported the same way as it was, let's say, three years ago. Would you agree? That basically defines me big time. Yeah, like so you love to draft. I know you've talked about it regularly. Um and in the in the current environment, the pandemic, obviously drafting is much more difficult to do in person than it ever than it ever has been before, correct? Yep. So there's that. The world the the world of drafting has shrunk and people who are drafters have moved to drafting online whether it's mtgo or arena but uh, i also think that they're making it harder for players like you to get the draft boosters aren't they yeah pretty much so audience i don't know if you've been paying attention but the the the, the addition of you've always had draft boosters now we also have set boosters which are not the same thing the set booster only has, I think, 12 cards in it. And so you're paying a higher price tag for fewer cards. And their defense is that you can get fun, cool cards in it that are, you know, worth quite a bit more. So, for instance, I opened, I got one for Christmas and I opened one and I ended up getting a Master of the Wild Hunt, which is a card from the list, which is like a $15 card. So my In my set booster, that whoever gave it to me spent... I think it was like six dollars Canadian on it. By the time you're you're done, um, you're paying six dollars Canadian for your booster pack, and there's only twelve cards in it, so you're paying more to get fewer cards, and they're getting a card that isn't even part of the set of one of the cards in your in your in your deck, or sorry, in your in your card slot. You're also getting like art cards and things that may not be of any value to you, um, but and they're making it and they're pushing this as being sort of the preferred option because. I don't know if people have noticed, but the set boosters have now replaced draft boosters in bundles. So now if someone were to buy a bundle, they're not getting draft boosters anymore. They're getting eight um, eight set boosters, which is a big difference. Like if you uh, if you open if you open ten draft packs, that's 150 cards. If you're opening eight C, uh, set boosters, you're opening, what, your 72 cards? Something like that, 72 cards, which is not that much, really. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of dodgy on the whole. So they, they've increased the price. I'm going to do the math here, make sure so I get you guys the right number. So, oh, 96. So you're getting 96 cards in your, in your bundle instead of getting 150. And, like, and that's just what it is. And so I, there's definitely, you know, incentive here for us to spend more of our time focusing on singles rather than buying packs because now, you know, it's hard to find the draft boosters. 
collector boosters are $30 a pop or whatever they are. In Canada, they're $30 a pop. I don't know what they are in the United States. Um, <clears throat> and then set boosters have fewer cards and are being promoted as being the preferred way, I think, that Wizards would like to see us buy packs, so to speak. So <clears throat> I think I'm like you, Lux. I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to be buying singles rather than be buying packs. It's a sad statement, isn't it? All right, uh, so Lux just stepped out for a second. Um, I'm just going to finish our last resolution here. Um, so uh, our last resolution here is, is going to be um, to draw six new people to the Lotus Council Discord. Um, I think there's a lot of value to be had, folks, by... Um, People joining communities that are set up online and being part of a greater, broader community. Now, it doesn't have to be the Lotus Council. It could be any community that which you guys feel comfortable in. But I think um, one of the great things about Magic is that we, and, 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 and the tools that are at our disposal, is that people from across this world can, can still enjoy the, the experience of this game and talk about the cards and talk about what their, what, you know, their latest play experience. And we all share something in common that can be used as a foundation for building uh, positive and supportive friendships and networks that are going to ultimately benefit us. Not only from the ability to make new people, to make new friends to play with, um, or make new trade partners that we can exchange cards with if we're looking for a given card and someone on the far side of the world has it, we can now make a trade. Um, I also think there's benefits to be had from forging those connections. So when the day comes and you need to talk to somebody or you're looking to go and visit somebody, you have a reason to go and, and find some of these people and see if they, you know, meet them in person and connect with them and, and, and build something that you would never have ordinarily had a chance to do. So I think drawing six new people to the Lotus Council, the Lotus Council Discord is a very modest goal over the next year to try and encourage people to come to the Discord. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Join the Discord to come have come be part of the community and to uh, you know be part of what's going on in one of these uh, these these communities that are set up. And there's literally oodles of them. I'm looking at my my Discord right now and all the different communities that I belong to. Um, some of them are more active than others. Some of them uh, I don't generally, you know, participate in too much. But every once in a while, it's 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 fun to know that uh, I am going to I can I can you know go into a channel and have a conversation, and just generally have a, a positive experience with lots of different people from all over the world. So um, I think I would like to share those, continue to share those benefits with people. Uh, obviously, I think I'm a little biased where I think the Lotus Council Discord is terrific and I think a, an avenue that lots of people ought to come and explore, but it doesn't need to be, you know, just the Lotus Council Discord. It could be any Discord that people are feeling, um, you know, that they want to engage with. And so I think that's a personal goal I have for us here in the podcast is to try and draw in six new people. Um, and, uh, and get, and get, you know, a few more people in the discord. I also would like to have us have, have, um, a few extra people listen to us each and every week. So, um, I don't think it'd be, you know, unrealistic for me to set 
uh, listener goals where we have um, so many people listen each week. So I would love to have us have at least 30 people a week listen to our show. Um, that isn't always the case. Some weeks we have more. We've in the past had as many as 50 a week. Um, I think that's a little bit ambitious for us, considering we are just two guys who like to talk about Commander. But um, I do think that having modest goals, like having 30 people a week check out our show every week, would be something that would be a goal I'd like to see us achieve. Um, we're getting closer to that. We're you know in the mid-20s right now, but I'd love to see us uh, eclipse that and get into the 30s pretty regularly. All right. So that is some uh, some of our resolutions. Um, now I guess I guess the last piece is, is going to be what as a deck that we would like to, uh, we would like to see us build uh, going forward. Um, so uh, I can share mine with you, with you guys while Lux is uh, finishing up and, and will be rejoining us in just a moment. Um, so I'm looking to b- build, like I said, monocolored commanders. Um, and I've got, you know, I have one, but I don't particularly care for it much. I don't think it's particularly interesting, nor do I think it's particularly good. Um, so I'm going to try and try again. I'm going to try and build a mono black commander. Uh, I'm going to build Gisa Glorious Resurrector, which is from Midnight Hunt. I think, uh, Gisa is an interesting, uh, combination of, uh, <coughs> pardon me. Um, a, a, an interesting combination of value and board presence that I think I want to explore. Uh, so I'm gonna, that's going to be my very first uh, monocolored commander I'm going to build in 2022. Um, I have also got one lined up for tonight's show, which we'll get to in a bit. But, but anyway, so yeah, so and Lux return when Lux returns, I will have him uh, share his uh, next deck or the, that he would like to build for is um for his new year or new year challenge that he wants to build for himself sorry stomach decided it wanted to be a volcano no it's all right all right so um so we're just at the point where um what sort of a a sort of an interesting or different deck uh, that you wanted to build uh for 2022 uh, so what was something that you were interested in building that you haven't, you know, uh, built to this point? You know, like, I'm, I was uh, giving it some thought and something. It's like we said earlier, like, need to branch out uh, from our comfort zone. And I think one of the best you know, you know, branch outs for me would be to like, add in a color that I'm not very comfortable with, and that would be blue. And then, like, one in the Commander that and I was thinking about building is Jordan God of Winter. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. I think that's a good one. Um, so it adds in like a lot of the snow stuff and yeah, but it also gets you into into Sultai, which is kind of a neat combination. Excellent. Yeah, so I yeah, so Gisa Glorious Resurrector and Jorn God of Winter for here us here on the show. Look for those decks in the next couple of weeks as we start uh, hammering out the lists and what we're gonna do with them. But uh, I think that'd be, uh, be pretty a pretty good place for us to start. Hopefully, uh, we have a pretty good 2022 coming up, my friend. Yep. All right, let's brew a deck up. Let's get a deck. So tonight, I'm going to brew up Eris for everybody here. So Eris is probably a card you missed from um, 
Crimson Vow. And it is... Um, it is surprisingly powerful. So Irith is one blue-red for a 2-4 legendary creature, Human Wizard. And it says, if you would draw a card, exile the top two cards of your library instead. You may play those cards this turn. Now, when I read this card, Lux, I initially thought that it did when it it didn't trigger on the card I drew each turn. So if I drew additional cards, it would trigger, but not on the first one I I, I drew. Except that's not how this one works. This is literally when you go to draw your card for your turn, you're going to exile cards and you're going to get the impulse draw from Aerith, and you're going to literally be looking at a potential howling mine effect on your commander and because you're going to be looking at two cards and that's powerful like that's nuts and like no one's talking about her like she's really good um and anyway so let's have a look at what i've done with the deck um let's start with the artifacts and the mana ramp because if you're playing is it is a little bit tricky to ramp so i got so i've got um letter of acceptance which is a three-man artifact from strixhaven but it lets you draw a card all right so that's important because later in the game if you need to get you need to start you know you need to trigger your Aerith to start seeing cards to get back in the game you can sack your artifact here and draw the card which means if you have Aerith in play you're seeing two is it lock it same sort of thing. Yes, it's three mana, but you can sacrifice it to, to draw two, which means with Aerith in play, you're really looking at four. Commander Sphere, same thing. Sack, draw a card. Mindstone, same thing. Sack, draw a card. Key to the City. Um, this one's interesting. Um, it's got a loot ability on it, essentially. So if you loot with, um, with uh, Aerith in play, yes, you will discard, but when you go to draw... You're going to draw, draw two, and you're going to see two cards that you can then play. Arcane Signet and Sol Ring are pretty much give, dead giveaways. <coughs> and then one of the things you're going to run into, I think, is uh, the fact that you might find yourself running out of cards. Uh, so Midnight Clock uh, is another way of doing that. So you can then um, you can then find your graveyard and shuffle them back into your deck. And the Magic Mirror is something I've, I've, I've fooled around with for a while. Um, but I think this is the first deck I'm going to be, be prepared to put in a Magic Mirror. Um, because it's going to help you reduce the casting cost of your spells. Help you draw cards. And this deck is all about drawing cards. Because you don't actually draw them. You just exile them. Um, the Planeswalkers are going to serve lots of the same purposes. You have Rowan, uh, Scholar of Sparks, with, uh, uh, along with... What is the flip side of this? Uh, it is uh, Will, Scholar of Frost. Um, these, the, the flip-sided commanders, for, uh, sorry, uh, Planeswalkers from uh, Strixhaven. Similarly, you got the Royal Scions that have a draw a card and then discard a card ability right on them. Uh, Chandra Flamecaller, same thing, discard, discard all the cards in your hand as your zero, then draw that many cards. So if you have four cards in hand, you can pitch them all, and you're going to see eight. Uh, and then Mordekainen um, from uh, uh, AFR, and so his plus two, draw two cards, then put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library. So 
you're going to, you know, if you have Aerith in play, you're going to be seeing two. Sorry, so instead of drawing two, you're going to see four. All right, so all these cards want to see you draw cards. Um, same thing with the cards in your hand, creatures in your hand. Magus of the Bazaar, Pilfering Hawk, um, Burgie can let you do it. Glinthorn Buccaneer, we'll talk about that one in a second. Brazilax, which I think is actually surprisingly good. Magus of the Wheel. Riel, I think Riel plays very nicely with this. Lots of times that in, in this color combination, you have looting or rummaging where you discard and draw. If you have Riel in play along with Aerith, the two of them are very complementary. Where when you discard, you, you're gonna, Riel is going to have a draw effect where you're going to draw. And Aerith is going to say instead of drawing, you're going to exile and, and you're going to be able to impulse draw stuff. So that seems pretty good. Um, but you get things like... Um, where's... Uh, Karanos, Ox of Agonis, Sage of the Falls, Nezahal, Bedlam Reveler. You have some big heavy hitters there at the end uh, to help you um, smash through and get things done. Uh, your sorceries, you got Faithless Looting, Magmatic, Magmatic Insight, Cathartic Reunion, Charted Course, Tormenting Voice, these are all cards that are going to let you draw cards, discard cards. Uh, Shatter Perception is a wheel of a, of a sort. Uh, winged Words, all good stuff. Um, our instance, we have Arcane Denial. We've got uh, Counterspell. You've got Neutralize, which I like because you can cycle it away, which is super powerful. And you have Foil. Uh, it includes other things like Chemistry's Insight, Channeled Force, Team of Battle Rage, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and then we have a few enchantments. We have an improbable alliance because you're going to be seeing lots of cards. You can you use it to, you can use this to, to power your, uh, your the, the impulse draw if you need to. But more, I think you're looking to make uh, this, the fairy tokens. Experimental frenzies, more of the same. Um, just helping you churn through your deck as fast as you can. And Kumena's Awakening is yet another... Uh, Howling Mine effect, this time in only in mono blue, and uh, yeah. So um, then, what's going this deck do? So this deck's going to do a couple of things, I think. The first one I think is you're going to see um, some cards get pretty large. So things like Sprite Dragon or Crackling Drake or you know a few things like that are going to get real large, and you're going to end up being able to smash with them in the air. You have Nezahal, which is always a, a, a threat, and Karanos, which is another powerful threat to help keep your opponents on their toes. However, I think the most interesting piece here is playing Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. So, my concern with this deck is that you're going to burn through a lot of cards really fast. Like, silly fast. And if you do, then um, you're not going to be able to like play them all, things are gonna disappear fast, and you can use Jace's static to potentially sneak a win and, uh, and 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 win the game by having nothing left in your deck. I think that's a very real possibility. I think the other line of line of victory here is something like a Glinthorn Buccaneer, where if you can discard and draw um, enough times with this particular creature and slip it through someone's defenses, you could actually 
do a pile of damage, and so I do like Glinthorn Buccaneer as well. Um, and the lands are pretty straightforward. A few, a few interesting treats. Uh, Gyre Reach Sanitarium and Desolate Lighthouse are really useful utility cards um, because they do let you um, get your your game back online um, by using spell-like effects on their tap to lands. So anyway, that's the deck. Lux, what do you think? Any thoughts about Aerith? It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool, I have to say. Um, I know I've been fooling around with a, with a list that's obviously not anywhere near as powerful as this, but with on on Brawl, uh, and I've been really liking the results that uh, Aerith provides. Um, the nice part about this deck, though, Lux, it's seventy five dollars. Ooh, seventy five bucks gets you a deck, and there's no mistaking what this deck wants to do. It wants to burn through cards and bury your opponents in card advantage. All right, it's not long-term card advantage because of all the impulse draw, but you're going to bury your opponents in the raw number of cards you're going to see, and that is exciting. So 75 bucks gets you in the game, through the door, ready to play. And this sort of deck can be tweaked in a whole bunch of different directions. Maybe you want to make it into a storm deck. Maybe you want to take it in another direction, but there's lots of avenues to take this deck, amp up the power, but at the very least, you're in the door for 75 bucks, which isn't that much. Like you can go to whatever your favorite LGS is and order most of these cards. Because again, none of these cards I don't think are particularly old either. They don't cost a ton of money. I mean, I think the most expensive card in the deck is the Nezahal at $6. But you could get, you know, Karanos is at four. Ox of Agonis is three and a half. You know, these cards aren't super expensive. And together, you get a coherent, powerful game plan that you can put, you can enact. So I kind of like it. Kind of like it. I'm going to be building this myself, folks, and I'm going to report back to you guys on the results when the deck is built. So, um, and not just built in, in Moxfield, like when I play it. Any other last thoughts there, Lux, before we move to sign off? Nope. Nope? Okay, perfect. So I'm going to bring this, this show to a wrap. This is our last one for 2021. Uh, so when we talk to you guys next week, next week it will be into a brand new year. Um, hard to believe that we'll be, you know, looking down the barrel of uh, a second full year. Uh, almost in the books. Uh, if you like what you hear here on the show, uh, by all means, uh, send us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want us to see improved. Send us a list, whatever. Uh, you can always email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a shorter message, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at epicexpcast. Um, as always, we'd love to have people join us there. If you like this week's deck, you want to check it out, and you want to check out all the other decks that we've ever brewed, uh, they're all available to you on moxfield.com. Please look up the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast. Uh, as always, we are on all of your favorite podcast apps, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, thelittlestcouncil.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I just went through a whole pile of them the other day, and I made sure that we're all up to date with respect to our memberships to some of these other platforms. So whatever your favorite um, podcast playing app is, uh, we're probably there. Look us up and like, 
follow, subscribe, leave a comment, whatever. Uh, every little bit helps get the word out that we are here talking commander each and every week. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so next week we are going to have a bring on a guest. Uh, we have Mike from DDM Gaming who's going to be joining us um, to talk about what we might expect from uh, 2022. But uh, that is for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you play Magic next. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a great uh, New Year's, and we look forward to talking to you all again in 2022. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Be good.